Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Welcome to part one of this two-part interview with the inspiring Jay Gaffey. Growing up in the UK, Jay had a background in martial arts, including taekwondo and kickboxing. She's a three-time Ironman triathlon distance finisher with multiple half Ironman distances, Olympic distances and sprint distances behind her. She's also completed many, many half marathons, full road marathons, multi-day sport races and twice completed the 100-kilometre distance in trail, including coming second place in the coveted Canberra Shri Chimnoy 102k uh, trail race. Uh, this year, in May 2022, Jay challenged herself to step up to an incredible race called Ultraman. It's a triathlon that goes over three days, comprising of a 10-kilometre swim, 421-kilometre ride, and an 84-kilometre run. Jay wasn't sure if she could complete the distance, so challenged herself to see how she would do. Not only completing the distance, Jay ended up winning Ultraman Australia in her first attempt. I hope you enjoy part one of this interview with the amazing uh, Jay Gaffey. She is just one of those people that you want to be around. She's magnetic in her enthusiasm, her giving nature, and her infectious sense of humor. So look out for part two. It will be released in the next couple of days. But for now, enjoy part one of my interview with the amazing Jay Gaffey. Jay, I want to start by asking you about what made you sign up for your first Ironman distance triathlon? Um, a moment, a two-year-old style moment of impulsiveness is the complete <laughs> truth with that. Um, we were doing a fundraiser for a, um, a the Tour de Cure Cycling. And I was chatting to Jamie, one of my mates, and he was telling me very animatedly that Ironman was so much harder than trail running. And at the time we were tra- training for 100 kilometer runs. And um, so J- Jamie said, if we were to do an Ironman, he promised he'd do a 100k run. So my husband signed up for it. In fact, he didn't tell me. I got a phone call from my dad saying, have you seen what your husband's done? <laughs> ben had signed up for it. Um, I couldn't swim at the time, and Ben said, don't worry, you can just support me and watch me. Um, And the moment someone does that for me, it's like a red rag, so I signed up. I couldn't swim. Well, I could doggy paddle, I could not drown, but I figured I had six months, I had plenty of time. How hard can it be, eh? Okay, so you signed up for an Ironman, which is a 3.8 kilometre swim, and you couldn't... So realistically, how, how far could you actually swim? Well, I went up to the leisure centre and said, can I do some stroke correction? And they said, yep, no problems, we'll have a look at you. And I did 25 metres and they told me I was too bad <laughs> for stroke correction. <laughs> so I said, so, well, what do what adults do? How do they learn to swim in Australia? And they said, well, everyone in Australia can probably swim 25 metres. So I pretty much started from there. I could do a real killer doggy paddle, I <laughs> but I couldn't do what you would consider to be a stroke at all. So you never learned to swim growing up? Well, that's pretty common in the UK. We have to learn to swim, but in the UK, if someone says they can swim, often it means it won't drown in water. Yeah, right. Doesn't mean they can do a stroke. So we had to tread water for three minutes and pick up this sort of rubber brick off the bottom of the pool and then get to the edge. And then we got a certificate. Okay. And I was a swimmer. (laughs) swimmer. (laughs) So how old were you, if you don't mind me asking, when when you're going through this Ironman phase? Oh, 35. 
Yeah, yeah about 35. And so Ben was deciding to do it and you were saying, there's no way I'm going to be your support crew. I'm doing it myself. Absolutely. What goes on? Like, can you t- take us through that thought process? Because there's some part of you that wasn't scared about not being able to swim. It's like, well, I'm going to have a crack at this. So can you tell us about that? Well, my parents always said, whenever I'd try and do stuff that sounded crazy, Dad would always say, what's the worst that can happen? Right. So I spent my whole life just thinking, well, what's the worst that can happen? And once you're starting to think like that, you start trying to sign up for stuff that looks moderately impossible. And the worse and the harder and the more impossible it looks, the more of a challenge that is. It sort of stimulates your imagination a bit more. It makes you more excited to try doing it. Because what is the worst that can happen in an Ironman? I wouldn't finish the swim, maybe, miss a cutoff. doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'll give it a go. And that's why I did it. I wasn't too worried about... I'd like to finish it, but if I couldn't, it really wasn't the end of the world. Pretty incredible, because people listening might have a fear of failure, so they would think, I, would, I could never do that. I could never sign up for a race that I couldn't finish or without being able to swim. So... No, I love that. The fear of failure is what makes me want to try stuff. Right. Because if you fail, then you've found your limits. And if you don't, then you've really pushed yourself and it gives you the, something to bank, something to look back on. So beautiful. So take us through what happened next. You signed up for the Ironman, you couldn't swim, you went to the leisure centre. They said Corinna were... Walker up at Kayama. <laughs> <laughs> Very patient. <laughs> did lessons with her, did lessons with effortless swimming. Uh, eventually, Victor, one of the instructors, saw me kind of doing my front crawl attempt. Sorry, freestyle here. And um, told me to join the squad. So I went religiously four times a, wow. a week. And it was quite a humbling experience having your ass handed to you by. 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds, little stick insects. Um, I couldn't dive. I didn't know how to turn at the end of the pool. I still can't do either of them. <laughs> but um, just did as much as I could and thought to see if I could get there, really. It, I couldn't do more than that. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so this, I'm a bit blown away by this. So the, what, how long before the Ironman are we talking here? Was it months or years? Or we signed up in November. November, yep. And that was 2016, yeah. and the race is in May. I can't remember the date, 6th or so, I think, off the top of my head. First Sunday in May. First Sunday in May. Yeah, Ben could swim, I'm assuming. It wasn't you. Ben used to do water polo, so oh, he's a good swimmer. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so then did you do any lead-up races, or was there any targets? We hadn't signed up for anything at all. We'd never done a triathlon um, when I signed <laughs> up. <laughs> but um, when we'd signed up for it, I thought we'd try a few and see how it went. So we signed up for the first one called the Super Sprint, which was in Wyong, and that's sort of an introductory one for children okay. and people. Okay. Um, what distance what are you do- talking about oh, there? Oh, really short. I think it was something like a 500-metre swim. I may have these distances wrong. About a 500-metre swim, a, I think it was a 20-kilometre cycle ride and I think a 5-kilometre run. Right. So really short. Um, I came last out the swim. <laughs> um, I doggy paddled it in a wetsuit, which is actually quite tricky to do if you ever do that, even as a swimmer. <laughs> Because your bum floats. Oh <laughs> I look like an enthusiastic driftwood. Um, got out to the transition, and there were only bicycle left was mine. <laughs> and on the bike leg, I was overtaking elderly gentlemen, children <laughs> on mountain bikes. It was, <laughs> it was really funny. Oh, that's so cool. Um, but actually, I won my age group in the end because I just cycled really hard and <laughs> then ran with huge enthusiasm predominantly through moderate embarrassment on my part 
So we haven't even talked about your cycling ability, your running ability. So you came out of the swim dead last and you, so how, what were you like on the bike and running at that stage? Well, I hadn't really cycled much. I used to, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have horses. We used to no. mountain bike up to the horses. And then we'd bought the cheapest bike called the Giant, which all my friends in the UK thought was the funniest thing they'd ever heard, because I'm six foot one. So I'd bought this bike and we'd done a tiny bit of cycling, but I hadn't really done much. And I'd certainly never used an aero bike or anything like that. So just before the race, I bought myself a time trial bike, a TT bike, and rode it for the first time in that race, actually. I hadn't had a go on it yet, apart from up and down the street once wobbling, which was quite fun. So just, just to bring everyone up to speed, so you You've signed up for an Ironman triathlon, you can't swim, and you basically can't ride a bike. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Well, okay, I could okay. ride a bike. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty good on a kind of hybrid bike okay. on the pavement, okay. but I'd never raced seriously or cycled right. with cleats, which is where your feet are tied onto the pedals. So, so it's even more fun. <laughs> it's... Okay. Running? Could you run? Yes. Okay, you could run. Okay. <laughs> I could run. So when you, when you came last out of the swim, and then you overtook everybody, and you won your age group, yeah. Where did you overtake them and how did you do that? On a bicycle, just okay, right. singing away in my head, <laughs> wobbling about on these funny little aero bars, which have no brakes. So right. it's a diff tricky to steer from and water dripping off me. And <laughs> it was just so much fun. Oh, I love this story so much. Okay, so you win your age group. And then what do you think after the race? Was it, were you like... Well, I did consider retiring. Okay. <laughs> okay. Chuck the mic down. <laughs> Um, but we, uh, we signed up for a couple of others. We did um, Kalala Club Distance, yep. then went to Bendigo and did a half Ironman-ish distance, okay. which I hadn't trained for actually because I'd gone skiing for the two weeks before and turned up a bit jet-lagged. That was fun too. There's a theme happening here, Jay. Okay, so how, how far are we from the Ironman race now? Um, that was in the February and the race is in May. Three months out from the yeah. Ironman. And you've, okay, so, so you've stepped up. The, how did the half in Bendigo go? Um, great. I, again, I loved it because I had no idea what I was in for and they're always the funnest adventures because you just take it as it comes. In, in some respects, I think it's better to do those sorts of races when you know what's coming. I think that's harder. Whereas if it's the whole thing's a new adventure and you don't even know if you can finish it, you can just relax and have fun. I love that. That's really cool. How's your swimming, by the way? You're coming into a half Ironman, which is a 1.9k Yeah, speed. so that's a 1.9. In fact, it was 2k there, 2K. and it was fresh water, which made it tricky. Oh, right. So um, and there was a yeah. random thunderstorm, and there was this lightning cracking down, oh and we're all watching it, and I was hoping desperately the swim would be cancelled. Yep. But sadly, it went ahead. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it was fine. I, it didn't come quite last. I think I may have been second or third last in that one. Had you been doing your squad training up until this half? So, yeah. So yeah. were you actually doing freestyle or was there a mixture I was doing of... a freestyle okay. brand, well, right. my interpretation. <laughs> okay. And luckily in triathlon, often they are wetsuit legal, which okay. works a bit like strapping a, a large surfboard to you. It floats you. Nice. So it gives you that confidence, even if right. you do have to do your doggy paddle, okay. you're not going to just sink to the bottom, which helps. Amazing, <clears throat> amazing. So you get through, so you get out of the swim, not quite dead last but near the back of the pack somewhere at the back okay. i really I, oh hang on yeah i came i came second in that one in my age group too actually overall. oh my gosh Jay. but okay. there were, i think there were only three or four or five of us okay. in it so uh, yeah Incredible. it was quite a small one right so moving forward the this bike and the run in that race how did that how did they go the bike was lots of laps and one of my friends mm. dan moran she'd been encouraging me to keep swimming there had been a few times i thought perhaps i'd maybe bitten off more than i could chew 
and he was always there behind me supporting me and I always try to surround myself from people who can give you that energy and keep you going um, and he was out on the bike and kept passing me shouting encouragement and it was just fun I loved it I love cycling it's right. just it's fast and you've got this 3d kind of experience with smells and tastes and this wind in your face gotcha. and it's just fun Beautiful. and it was hilly which meant there were downhills which yeah I right okay so you loved it okay okay so just let's just pause i want to talk to you about what you just said then about having that group of friends what i know about you is you are like a magnet to people they just want to be around you and they want to support you so can you talk to me about the, the friendship group that you've created your support crew and just talk from that space i don't think i've created them well <laughs> what would but you call it i we just have an amazing club um yeah. the kayama triathlon club and it's just about everyone supporting each other and making everything possible. We're all competitive, but yeah. not in a way that's ever putting other people down. Um, we're always there as steps, as step ladders to get everyone better. And nice. so whenever I'm training for anything, I find people that give you the right energy for whatever you're doing at the time. Um, Hannah, my tri-wife, um, <laughs> she will bury herself in anything she does. So if you're trying to find short stuff, she's always the one. Um, Mia, one of my other friends who moved from the UK, at my suggestion, um, to this area, again, at my <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> I've known her for years and she has that deep companionship where you can do long stuff in comfortable yeah. silence and it's, it's Mia, I love her. Sam and Charlie, they're full of energy and positivity and you just pick those people who just make anything possible and just float you along on their energy. What do you reckon they'd say about you and your energy? Well, funnily enough, Sam was saying that watching me train for the Ultraman was quite inspiring because she suddenly realised that she could do anything. Um, she had considered giving up triathlon. In fact, she hadn't even considered starting it until she signed up for a 50th to do a 70.3, um, just as a bucket list thing. Yeah. And after training to do the Ultraman with me, she signed up to do a full Ironman in Port Macquarie in May, oh, along with half the club. Okay, this is unbelievable for me. So just, I just want to spend a bit of time here, right? Because what we've learned from you already in these 12 minutes is that you have a mindset which is like, I'm just going to have a crack at this. I'm just going to, how, how bad could it be? Well, it's the worst thing that can happen. I love being out in the, you know, the hills and the rolling. Um, and then here's a great story of Sam who had the fears about, I could never do that. And she's watched you and she's now going to do... a. I mean. She didn't just watch me. She and when did. I was doing Ultraman training, some of my long stuff, as I said, I'd call people to help me. And I had to do a 300 kilometer ride as one of my long rides. <laughs> Sam did the second half, the whole thing with me right. so strongly. Yeah. And I think that's when she realized how strong she was. Gotcha. She didn't know how good she was until she went out and actually did that ride with me. And now we understand the importance of this community that you've got and that you're in and, and, and how you lift each other up. Um, this is a beautiful side of you, Jay, and that's really, um, it's, it's, I've seen it in you as well. Um, let's go back to the first Ironman in May. So we've just got through Bendigo half. You've got three months to go to the Ironman. How did, can you take us through those three months and then the race? Um, lots and lots of training. And um, looking back on it, it was the bare minimum. I was training with Nathan Miller from Project M up in Wollongong um, as a recommendation from a friend, a lovely man, a great club he was running up there too. Um, and he basically set us a um, Ironman for Dummies training, right. <laughs> <laughs> training plan, which we just <clears throat> gradually worked our way through, Ben and I together. Um, 
In some respects, I think training with a partner can be harder than training with a friend. Um, but we did a lot of it together. I thought I was a shocking cyclist because I was always riding with Ben and he's an exceptionally good one, it turns out. So you tend to compare it yourself to that one person you're training with, which I tried not to do. Um, it was frustrating at times because you would, I, would, I was struggling to do a 2K swim and I knew I had to do a 3.8K and it was open water, which I hadn't really done much of. And so you had to just make sure you weren't looking at that goal and thinking, I can't do it. Um, and luckily, because I'd been trail running before, you know that. Whenever you're doing the long runs, there's never a time when you do a 10K and go, oh, I could have done 11 or 12. There's never a time when you do a 50K and go, I could have done 55. And you realize it's in your head. So you just never look at the goal, <laughs> only occasionally and not when you're training, and just keep putting one foot in front of another and doing as much as you can. You, you can't do more than what you can do. And you can, you can only do your best. Such so great that's what advice. I did. Jay, it's such great advice. Um, we hear it all the time about set a big goal and then let go of it and focus on your process and everything. But you've just okay. kind of told us how you do that, which is, um, yeah, uh, amazing. So you went to WA, you and Ben. Um, so we did the first Ironman was at Port Macquarie. Okay. Yeah. So right. that was Ironman Australia. Gotcha. Yeah. 2017. And that was 2017. Okay. And how did it go? It was great. <laughs> um, the actual race wasn't ideally perfect. I got a flat on the front wheel wow. and came off quite badly. Oh, right. Um, and I'd read in the rules, you can't have outside help. And I was going quite fast and it was a front wheel. And as I took the corner, I flew off the bike. The bike went one way, I went the other and slid into all these audience people who were supporting. And they all tried to help me up and pick my bike up, which was a perfectly reasonable thing mm. to do. And I was shouting at them, you can't help me. Oh, <laughs> I thought I'd get disqualified. And then as I cycled back down the hill, my bike was a bit bent. So I had to do 90 <laughs> kilometers on a bent bike. And I went past some officials and they said, um, we need to see you at the finish line. And I thought, oh no, I've been seen. They're going to disqualify me. So I thought, that doesn't matter. I'm just going to enjoy as much as I can, even though I'm disqualified, and just finish it. And if they try and get me off course, I'll just run faster. That was my plan. <laughs> and, and when I finished, I discovered they just wanted me to go to medics to check I hadn't been injured. That's what it was. But I did the whole thing thinking I was disqualified and just trying to enjoy it. And I'll still be an Ironman in my head either way. Well, so. this is quite incredible. So you had to deal with that that mindset and, and it's like having an outcome, right? I'm going to be disqualified. Oh, well, I'm going to stay in the moment. Did, yeah. And is that how you And I'd of... still be an Ironman. They can't yeah. take it away oh, from me. So you. I was just going to do it anyway. We skipped over the swim. 3.8 Ks after starting with a doggy paddle uh, four months earlier. How, how did the swim go? Oh, I was really nervous before that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's when I get nervous, I get, I feel like a rabbit in headlights. It's like my IQ goes drops to 50%. <laughs> So it's not nervous in a sort of agitated way. I just feel profoundly thick, like someone slipped me some rehypnol. And I remember standing on this, this start line, just, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think, just flatlining, looking at this swim, wondering how I was going to do it. And, and luckily, because you couldn't really think, I just sort of walked in and did it like a, like a soldier. And once I was in there, it was fine. It was so fine. Right. I loved it. It was a river swim, so there's no surf. Okay. It's, as the swims go, the easiest of all the Ironman swims you can do. 
So I don't know much about Ironman, but a lot of people tell me that the start is horrendous and they fear getting kicked and everything. But you just yeah. said it was lovely. So well, I you... also came from a background of martial arts. So right. really getting a, a kick with someone who accidentally hits you with a, the tip of their toe or bangs your goggles, it's not going to kill you. I'm not going to get knocked out. I'd come from full contact fighting where a kick to the head will knock you out. That's what the aim was. That's what we were trying to do. So... You, know, you can stand on the front of the start line and again it's my favorite question what's the worst that can happen yeah. i lose my goggles i'm not going to die <laughs> so <laughs> could always breaststroke and i've already proved that <laughs> you mentioned martial arts i want to ask you how did that prepare you for the kind of races you're doing today is there a link or i don't know i think i had to relearn a lot of stuff so for martial arts, it, you tend to do rounds of a few minutes, the so three minute rounds, yeah. five, seven, depending on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And because it's full contact, it focuses you so hard or semi-contact, depending on what I was yeah. doing. But either way, you're going to get you know, potentially a kick or a punch to the face, but it really focuses you. And that focus means you're floating. You're just zoned in completely. Whereas things like running, you have a lot of time in your head, even the short runs, a 5K run. You've still got, yeah. I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour out there in your head yeah. trying to deal with all those random thoughts that are going through your head at the time. So I, I had to kind of relearn how to be in my head because I never needed to. Adrenaline got me through it or fear or focus or whatever you'd like yeah. to call it. And I wasn't scared at the start of a 5K run. Yeah. You didn't have that feeling. Gotcha. So the extreme focus you had when you're going into a fight, yeah. all of a sudden was completely gone. different right? yeah so how did you where did your attention go where did your mind go how so how do i focus like, yeah. yeah well yeah <laughs> it's um a funny question because dad will tell you every one of my school reports as a kid said could be good if she applied herself <laughs> needs to learn to focus and, and actually what i discovered was this was this wonderful chance to not really focus particularly right. well i would just daydream and look at things and just enjoy myself and just go out into that dream world, that imaginary world that I hadn't done since I was a kid because I was always told I shouldn't do and I should try to drop it. Yeah. And I just, that's what I started to love about running. You could just get into your head and enjoy it without focusing. Although I think Jodie, my coach, would uh, <laughs> beg to differ. <laughs> it's, uh, she's still shouting that at me now. I think it's really important just to, just to touch on this because... If you took that martial arts focus into an Ultraman, you would mentally burn yourself out. Is you that... couldn't possibly yeah. do it. Yeah. But that works for three minutes. It yeah. doesn't work for 18 hours. But what does work is what you do, is to disappear into the surroundings and, and into your do mind. Your or, yeah, and, and okay, it's beautiful. You mentioned to me once about your cross-country team and how this lack of focus got you... Can you tell that story? I hated cross country. <laughs> I hated it because I was fit, because I used to do athletics. Whenever there were competitions, they'd take the cross country runners and then they would search around for the school and they'd find a fit person and throw me into these teams. And I despised it. And I ran past our cross country instructor, the coach, um, doing the running equivalent of the Ministry of Silly Walks. <laughs> Monty Python, right? That's the one. <laughs> and which I thought would amuse him. Um, <laughs> He didn't find it as amusing as I did, and I was thrown out of the cross-country team and never did it ever again. <laughs> so the first time I ran, really, was when I came back into Australia and couldn't find a club to train, train with, with martial arts and thought, well, it's cheap and just need a set of trainers and a pair of sunnies and a hat in Australia. 
and started running and enjoyed it. So you enjoyed it then, but you didn't enjoy cross country. Why did you despise it? As a kid? Yeah. Um, it, I thought it was boring. Oh. So it's just hours of sort of yeah. doing something that wasn't as fun. And okay. I think I had a pretty poor attention span. And the good thing about athletics is I was doing triple jump and long jump. They're all short events where you get to focus and you get that adrenaline, those nerves. Um, but I think you change as you get older. And yeah, I actually enjoyed the moments when I started to run when I first came here where you can just let thoughts drift through your head without really engaging with them. And it's really relaxing. How do you do that? How do you have a thought as you're running and a, a thought might come to you? How do you let it go and not hold on to it and ruminate? And I don't know. It's something that you need to do whilst you're doing sport, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, there's something to do with the movement, perhaps, or I, I can't exactly explain it. But... Could you try, like if we go to a time when you're running and you're just running along and a thought comes in, which is probably a, a life admin thought or something stressful and one person might dwell on it and think about it for the rest of the run and get stressed and and everything but you're able to let it come in and go yeah it feels like a sort of river of thoughts it's ah, it's never i always beautiful. imagine i i've never really done any meditation but i always imagine that's where you don't have thoughts maybe i don't know but with running you can it's this river of thoughts you just let it flow through you that's beautiful i can't explain no no it's you've explained it yeah. so well you explained it so well so instead of stopping the river with a dam you just let it keep on going yeah. and the next one comes in and it's lovely and then more and more thoughts come and it rather than being a peaceful nothing it's a million thoughts which are even more peaceful you can just sort of swim through them and and engage in weird stuff that doesn't matter like uh, there's a pretty bird all oh, right <laughs> this, what you're saying Look, is that car's an odd color yeah. <laughs> This has got so much. That poor dog's being dragged by that man. <laughs> <laughs> it's got so much. There's so much wisdom in what you're saying with that. Notice, if you, if you look at the the focus of attention, you, you're shifting it to an external broad, which is that, which is what you race in so well at Ultraman, instead of that internal narrow, which is when you're thinking about. This and this thing. is something I didn't know about until I started going. Well, until I went to your course, yeah. until I've listened to your podcasts, and I think we do a lot of stuff intuitively without actually being able to label it. Yeah. But it's really useful to actually understand what we're doing because then you can focus on those areas. Probably. And see it as a strength because Jay, look what you've achieved with the way that you do these things. It's a huge strength, and if you can, if you can have a language around it then you can, you, can, you can schedule it in instead of yeah. letting it come. And practice it training. Practicing, yeah. Because training's always harder than racing. Racing's fun. Racing's, I love exams for the same reason. You know, when you've studied and studied and you go through an exam and you can stop worrying because you can only do what you can do in an exam and you just, like, you just trust in what, you can, what you've learned. And I've always loved exams. I've always been good at them. And to me, racing's the same. So you do all this training and then after that you can't worry anymore because you can only do what you can do and you can't do more than that. Whereas I find motivation and training's much harder because you, you've got the option to not finish or to stop or to half try or pretend to try or <laughs> Interesting. find excuses. For anybody out there who has pre-race anxiety, including myself, I'm just going to rewind the last 30 seconds and listen to that again because what you say is really wise because you're saying all the work's done and it's easy to have this logically but you actually do it where you're like bring on the race because all my work's done i don't have a choice i'm going to finish it i'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure whereas you said motivation's harder in those in training wet mornings when you're trying to get but in a race you can always just relax you don't you don't need to worry about if you're doing enough 
if you can swim the 3.8k <laughs> you don't need to worry about it you just do it and if you can you can and if you can't you can't unreal this is so good um can we i want to ask you about long trail races you have you're not just a triathlete you're an exceptional long distance runner um can you tell us about the 100k races that you have done and starting with the first one that didn't quite happen <laughs> yeah i'd signed up for north face 100 which is now the uta 100 in the blue mountains it's a tough tough run it's a hundred kilometers and i think it's about just over four thousand meters of vertical Ouch. lots of steps i know you know you've done it before too um and i'd signed up because I thought it looked fun. I had never done any long stuff before. I'd done a marathon and it was kind of cool. So I thought I'd try that. You know, my normal weird kind of way of getting to these things. I, was, I would pause, but we've already learned this about you. So. <laughs> <laughs> and also because a few people said it wouldn't be possible. So that absolutely ah. solidified it. There's nothing like someone saying you can't do it to make you really want to do it. Same as your husband saying, I'm going to do an Ironman. And that's why I had to do it. it. Right. <laughs> Um, which is not a great trait in children, but I think it's a better thing as an adult. Um, but that's why I signed up for it. Um, North Face 100 took a lot of training. I'd never done anything like that before, only a marathon, two marathons before that. Um, and so I went to the website and downloaded their how to train for a 100k run thing and just followed it and it all went really well. Um, unfortunately though, it was just less than just less than two weeks, about 10 days before the actual race, I was helping Ben get, I think it was a washing machine, up the stairs to our house, which had a lot of stairs, and I slipped a disc in my back and couldn't do the run. And this was gonna be my first really long one. And actually, I must say, it's the only time I've genuinely had depression. I had a week in bed and it was terrible. And I really had some level of empathy now for what people go through with depression. It was. You didn't want to see people. I didn't really want to get better. I couldn't move. I was in yeah. constant pain and I couldn't sleep because it was radiating through my leg. So I thought I'd sign up for another 100K run to cheer myself up. And when did you actually sign up for the next time? Um, whilst I was still in bed <laughs> with my um, sciatica and my slip disc, I signed up to do a Sri Chimnoi one. And it, that was actually 102 which was even better because Ben actually went ahead, my husband, and did the North Face 100. And my race was 102. <laughs> so I'd done further. <laughs> did you go to the race that Ben did? I did, okay. yeah. So, so I supported, I was in a lot of pain because I was trying to drive around and I couldn't really drive. So my sister-in-law and brother-in-law came and they were helping out driving and I was just hobbling about. Wow. So, so okay, so you're injured, uh, unable to walk, you're in bed and instead of feeling sorry for yourself you decided to sign up for the next race what's the time frame between your training for the uta and the next 102k race? that was i think uta is in march isn't it is it march may normally was it may yeah. my m's mixed up <laughs> yeah may and then the sri chimnoi was september i can't remember exactly when okay so not that long a few months and yeah how like how long till you could walk again till you could start running like, it took a while um to be able to do it so i went to the physio and they gave me a list of things i ought to do um and so i did it 10 times more than they told me to which is a bad habit of mine with physios they always say people don't do the exercises if it says yeah. use a gentle band and do it 10 times i will find a hard band and do it 20 <laughs> times because obviously that's going to make it get better quicker so I did everything they said religiously and 
with things I don't find injuries generally providing I've always been able to recover but I don't find they're too much of a problem because you with an injury you'll get told the stuff you have to do to make it better and I love that focus gotcha. and so that's what I do I do that thing whatever they told me to do downward dog and a cobra pose and a this and a that and I did it religiously and started to run again and oh goodness that was tough because I just hadn't moved I'd yeah. been lying on my back so that took a bit to get my fitness back um, but I made it to the start line and did the Sri Chinnoy 102. Same year you, you did, we randomly found out later. So just those few weeks leading up, was it, did you follow the same training program as you had for UTA? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you followed... So I just repeated the whole thing all over again. What would your longest long run have been before that 102? It was 60K. I remember it was too long looking back actually with um, hindsight. And I did that in Darwin on my own, actually, in the middle of the wet. We'd gone up to go and see Ben's uh, mum, who lives up there. Right. Um, and Ben was going to run with me, um, but he got food poisoning. Um, so I ran it on my own. And I started it at three in the morning because I thought it'd be cooler, which it isn't. It's, it's hot. It's like a shower room. And um, <laughs> I was running up and down past drunk people shouting at me. <laughs> yeah, so that was my longest, which was, yeah, with hindsight, probably not what I'd do again but talk to me about that because it wasn't actually on the program I just thought I'd wanted to ah, do it because okay. it would I just wanted to see if I could well I think this is a normal thing for people they think I'm doing 100k I need to train to 100k but when yeah. you say it's probably too long at 60 can you talk to me about your experience why you'd say that I think doing big long runs in one go does risk injuries um, right. it tires you I don't know you get the benefits you'd imagine apart from perhaps testing kit out, testing mm. for chafage, the yeah. mental satisfaction of knowing that you can do those distances. Um, I do split runs now. So if I'm going to do a 50K run, which was my longest for Ultraman, yeah. I didn't do 50Ks in one go. I'd run in the morning and then rest and then run again in the evening. Great. So the split runs. And I think you get more benefit from those and less injury risk. Really interesting but stuff. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really interesting. I, 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 I totally agree. Double run is a, one of the best ways to replicate. Um, okay, so just a timeline for people listening. These 100K races were before your Iron... That's so, right. What's the correct terminology? Is it Iron Man? Iron yeah, Maiden? it is Iron... Iron... Iron Maiden, I'd like to call it. Yeah. Iron Man, it is Iron Man. Okay, yeah. all right. I just wanted to make sure we're right. Yeah. So... Um, so after that, so you've done 102K and how did the race pan out? It was good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I ran with one of my good friends, Jane, who had done a lot of training with me. Yeah. And we did the first three quarters together. But poor Jane had these terrible blisters on her feet and she was struggling more and more. And I didn't want to leave her because I felt so sorry for her. And mm. we'd trained together and I was just out for a bit of a laugh. Um, but just before the end, you're allowed to have a pacer. And so Steph, my friend, met me. It was her birthday, I made her run on her birthday. <laughs> um, and I left Jane and had all this energy because I'd been going quite gradually because Jane had been in such terrible pain. And so we took off and well, that's what it felt like at least. And I actually managed to do a negative split in the dark by that stage because I was a fair way behind you. Um, over that, this Black Mountain Tower, is it? What's the tower that comes down behind uh, the parliament? Majura? Majura, yeah. And Ainsley, yeah. And we were following these arrows and I had no idea where we were going and, and um, actually came second. I thought I'd come second female, but I went back and looked over it and I was second in my age group, which was 50 and below. Nice. And someone who was 50 
beat me. Amazing. <laughs> so it wasn't actually second ever. This is an amazing story. So um, there's a lot to learn from this. So you negative split a 100K race, which is extremely rare. Um, you did it, it's your first 100K race, yeah. and you basically took, paced yourself extremely well in the first half, thanks to Jane, and then came home strong. Um, but endurance stuff, as you know, I mean, if, any advice I'd give for someone who's going from short to long, yeah. it's about patience. And it's about trusting in pacing and taking it easy to start with. And I didn't know that, not at the time, I'd never done it. But Jane did it for me. That's such a great lesson, Jane, it's unreal. So just to go back over this, your longest run before that was a 60K in training, but before that it was a marathon. marathon yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of talk about, am I ready to do a 100K race? I've been on a marathon, should I do a 50 mile or a 50K? But you, in typical Jay fashion, has just gone, hell to that I'm gonna go do 100k and you nailed it second age group negative split amazing and then what, what happened after what oh actually yeah tell us what happened at the end of the race oh yeah I actually got a, um, a letter from the organizers someone had put an official complaint in thinking I'd cheated um, because I couldn't possibly have negative split <laughs> in the dark over a hill at the end of a 100k run um, I was absolutely stoked. I was so stoked that someone had actually gone through my splits for a start that I, you know, no one had, I didn't know what a split was till I'd seen that. Um, and so I had to send in my Garmin to show I hadn't cut any corners. But we were laughing about it afterwards, saying I, I, it was dark. I had no idea where we were. If I cut, tried to cut a corner, I probably would have doubled it, not halved it. This is so um, cool. But yeah, that was pretty cool. So I've yeah. still got the letter. I'll send it on to you. That's one for the wall. We can put it up as, as a link for your podcast for, our, for your listeners. Of what you can do. It's unreal talking to you. Um, I want to keep on going, but what I want to move on to is... Ultraman. Last month, you did the most incredible race in Cairns. Can, oh, sorry, in Noosa. Can you tell us all about it? Um, t take us through what the race is about, the distances, and then we'll go through your training and how it went. Ultraman is uh, the longest distance triathlon that you can sign up to do. Um, it's 515 kilometers, and it's a staged race, so it's done over three days. And each day you have 12 hours to complete each of the events and if you don't make it on any of those that's it you're out you're allowed to continue on course but you're called a participant and you're no longer a competitor Ooh. so there are a few people who did that which i must say i've got huge amounts of respect for to get up the next day and keep going when you know you're yeah. not going to be an ultraman it's incredibly tough and um, day one is a 10k swim and a 141 kilometer cycle Day two I is... I just have to pause there. So you, first day's one, <laughs> so you do a 10-kilometer swim, yeah. and then you get on your bike and you ride 141 kilometers. That's right. Okay, okay, just so everyone's understand. Okay, yep, go on, day, day two. Day two is a 281-kilometer bike ride. So in total, you're doing 420 kilometer, 21 kilometer of cycling. Over the two days. Over the two days. Um, and then day three is a double back-to-back -back marathon. So 84.4, okay. Wow. Okay, so this is 10K swim um, coming from doggy paddling only right. six years earlier, just to, just to put it into context. Okay, cool. So an amazing race. Like, so we're talking about a more than double Ironman here, pretty That's much. Right. The swim's yeah, more, so than more than double. That's right, yeah, so more than double. And so is the bike ride. Incredible. How many people 
we're in this race because this is must just be for the extreme of the extreme right it's a very small really boutique race you have to qualify to do it by doing an ironman okay and within a certain time it's under 13 hours um there were only 50 well they've got a maximum of 50 people i don't think 50 got to the start line i think there may have been i lost track of it actually i think perhaps 48 or something i think with covid COVID. there's been yeah all sorts of difficulties Um, just uh, usually a fair few international competitors as well Um, and obviously just with travel being tricky borders being closed yeah yeah, the numbers were a little lower than usual but it was the largest female field they've ever had at Ultraman in Australia wow excellent with 13 women doing that oh it's so good to hear is is Ultraman only in Australia or are there other Ultraman no it started in Hawaii okay um, but it's now in Brazil Mexico the US, I can't remember where exactly there, Canada and also in Spain. Amazing. Okay. This and then obviously Australia. Crazy. You, you, what made you enter? Um, I'd heard about it from Jamie. Jamie yeah. Williams keeps popping up actually. If you're listening to this, you've got a lot to answer for. And <laughs> um, he's the same one who'd bet then to do the, um, to do the Ironman and then I ended up signing up as a result of that. But he talked about how this was his dream and right. this thing was crazy and he'd love to do this. He's done 20 Ironman, he'd been to Kona for world champs. Mm. And as soon as he told me, it sounded totally impossible, which is like a red rag to me. And it's just too tempting a thing. I had to sign up. Um, and then I was cycling and Kelly Ridges, who's one of the locals of Ult- um, legends of Ultraman, who's also local, cycled past me and she had the shirt on and on the back it said a 10 kilometre swim and 421, so it's bike ride and all the rest of it. And I was cycling behind her thinking, I want that top. And um, that was it. As soon as I finished my last Ironman at Cairns, another friend said he was going to do it. So I, I signed up. Fantastic. Wow, and was that, sorry, that Cairns, was that your qualifier, the Ironman Cairns? Yeah, it was, okay. yeah. So you had to finish under 13 hours? Yeah, yeah okay. maybe at 11 and a half or something there, I can't remember. Good time, right? Yeah, maybe 11.40, I can't remember exactly. Um, and what's, when did your training start? Um, pretty much straight after that. Straight after Cairns, Well, yeah. just because I needed to get the swimming up to 10K. <laughs> okay. And actually, I felt it was really fun hearing swimmers say they couldn't swim 10K. Gotcha. I'm not a swimmer. It made me realize that actually they bloody well could. They're choosing not to. <laughs> anyone can swim 10K if I can. I'm really not au fait with the water and anyone who knows me knows that. Um, they were choosing, they couldn't do it, they could. Um, and so I started with the swimming, I knew I had to build that up. So it started with just base work, strength and swimming and just building up gradually from there. Just, just take us through that thought process because you said even swimmers say they couldn't swim 10K. You say, I'm not a swimmer, but somewhere in your mindset is, I can do that. So can you kind of go into that crack and talk to us from that little space? Well, I didn't know I could entirely, but I wasn't too worried if I couldn't. I just wanted to give it everything I could. What's the worst thing can happen? The worst thing can happen. So <laughs> that's what attracted me to it. I think the swim more than anything, because for wow. me, that's a huge challenge. People who are swimmers swim 10K, 8K sets in a day because they'll swim morning and night. For them, that's nothing. For me, 10K is a really big swim. Um, And whether I could or couldn't do it, I wanted to just see. And if I couldn't, then I'd found my limits. And and if I could, then I could do it. Then that means I can do a bigger one. (laughs) I can't believe you're doing a bigger one. Um, So how long 
so you build up your swimming. Let's talk about swim training. How did you build it up? What was your longest swim? How did oh, all that yeah. go? Swim training, I, I still find swimming tough. And actually talking to you has helped me a lot with swimming because that's the first time I'd ever listened to myself talk. Um, and I have, I'm just a really positive person. I've been lucky I've just been born like that. And I have a really positive self-talk with all kinds of ridiculous positive scenarios I love playing with because they make you feel good. I secretly do it because I'm moderately embarrassed because I'm not really the hero of the world, but I am in my head. Oh, but with swimming, I yeah. really wasn't. <laughs> and I would do the whole swim and I'd do this commentary as I did it saying, I'm not a swimmer, mm. but it's okay because I can cycle and I can run, but Jay's not a swimmer. And I would have this commentary the whole time I was swimming and I, I just found myself doing it. And that was talking to you just before I started that training. I started to really listen to how much I was putting myself down about my swimming. And um, I find swimming difficult because you're only in your head. There's no other stimulation. There's no dog walker dragging his dog. There's no weird looking car. There's nothing else to look at apart from the bottom of a pool. You can't hear anything apart from water in your ears. So all you've got is your head. Yeah. And yeah. I found swimming tough. <laughs> How did you change it? You realised you were talking negatively or commentary was negative. What did you do about it? Um, there's a, a triathlete called Lucy Charles, amazing triathlete, um, a bit of a hero actually, I love her. Um, she's from the UK. She's won 2021 World Championships. She came from a swimming background. She trialled for the Olympics, didn't get in. Um, she's won Roth, um, all sorts of competitions, exceptional woman. But I heard her being interviewed. And she said, um, swimming's the only leg that doesn't hurt. Yes. So I know I'm never going to be a great swimmer. I'm never going to love swimming. But I suddenly realized she's really right. There's no chafing. There's no impact. There's no pain. It's actually quite relaxing. So that's what I latched onto. And whenever I was getting grumpy about my swimming, I would think, well, swimming is the only leg that doesn't hurt. And just relax and try not to to worry about the speed I'm going and just appreciate the lack of pain. That sounds a little macabre, but... That's amazing. And, and was that your like, dominant self-talk from then on? Right. Yeah. And that was enough to turn it around? Well, I knew what? I'm not a swimmer and there's no point trying to tell myself I was a swimmer because I'm, I'm really not. I don't love it. So there's no point saying I love this. But I did know I didn't hate it. Yeah, right. And so I just focused on enjoying the relaxation, enjoying it not hurting, knowing it's a one leg where I'm not going to be chafing, I'm not at risk of injuring myself. Interesting, with those identity statements like I am not a swimmer, are you a swimmer now after doing all this training? Or? No, I would what? say no. So you're still not a are you a triathlete? Yeah. Okay, so you're a triathlete. So the swimming in that. Yeah. To me a swimmer is someone who just swims. Okay. Yep. Interesting, okay, cool. So if you stop riding and running and you just then I would guess I'd be a swimmer. So this, this Lucy um, really helped you with that, to reframe yeah. that. That's an amazing story. But, because you'd made me actually listen to it, and then I tried to find something I could relate to, yeah. and that really struck a chord with me. You have to find something that's true. Yeah, because the shift from I'm not a swimmer to I'm a swimmer, it's too big a shift, right? So you have to go somewhere halfway. Amazingly done, Jay. Awesome. Um, so you did the swim training. You built up. What was your longest swim before? Nine oh, kilometers. Nine. So you okay? Yeah. It should have been ten. Really, right. I could have done ten. But if I'm absolutely honest, I was faffing around a little in the pool and right. chatting to random people, and I was doing it off time. 
And okay. so I didn't quite make the distance because I was procrastinating. <laughs> well, you were in the moment. Um, where, where do you, I'll take you back to the 100K race. You said 60K was too far. Yeah. Why push it to 9K, 10K in the swim training for because a 10K? Because a 10K swim is very much achievable. That's three hours in the pool. Gotcha. Um, it's the equivalent of doing more like racing for a t training for a 10K run okay. where you can do 10K runs and yeah. will regularly perhaps even go further than that. So it's the same for swimming. Gotcha. You can do that distance. Did that 9K, despite not being 10, did it give you the confidence that you could do it on race day? Yeah, I was yeah. sure I could do it by then. And that was in a pool, um, so I had no wetsuit. You don't have the salt buoyancy. So if I can do that in a pool, I was confident I could do that. Right, what a great way to build your confidence. Amazing. Hey, it's Rob here. I know it's an abrupt ending to part one, but this interview was just so good, I wanted to share it in two parts. So please look out for part two on the next episode.